So, how's China? Warm and moist. Just like action. No, no, she had cancer. I'm not going to do that. Uh, anything interesting to report? I went to Macau and gave a talk. And how was that? Also warm and moist. God damn it, stop trying to set me up. Set you up for my mum? Why, Josh, I didn't know you were that way inclined. I'm sure mum would love a bit of company, though. Stop it. All she has back home these days is her pussy. And mum's not so agile that she can play with her pussy much these days. God damn it. What's wrong, Josh? I'm just talking about my mother's pussy. <laughs> I mean, you've seen it. A few times. No, 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 no. This is meant to be a classy podcast by educated people talking about rarefied topics. And pop culture. And pop culture. Sometimes your mum jokes, but this has gone too far. Okay, I admit, it has gone a bit too far. I will resile from these attempts to get you to talk about my mother's pussy. How are things back home? Cold and wet. Mmm, just like... No, no. Roll the thing. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, featuring Josh Addison and M. Dentoff. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy in Auckland, New Zealand. I am Josh Edison and back in Zhuhai, China, it's Associate Professor M. R. X. Dentith. You're back in China. Indeed. Sitting in place in Zhuhai, sweltering, well actually not sweltering in the heat because I've got the air conditioning on in my apartment, but enjoying, is enjoying the right word? Enduring. I am enduring in the Chinese summer. Yeah, so so like I said um, in last week's Philly episode, we kind of we may have neglected to mention to our our wider listenership that Emma is is going back to China to take up a position at Zhuhai University once again. But that's what's happened. Well, being normal un- university in Zhuhai, I don't think there is technically a, a Zhuhai university. There are in fact several universities in Zhuhai. Well, there you go, a university. In Zhuhai is where you are and will remain for the time being. It's true. Apart from when I say pop out to go other places. So remaining is a relative term. Yes. So uh, it'll be it'll be internet recordings from now, which uh, with all the with all the potential connectivity issues that that entails, but we'll we'll we managed it last time, so I assume we'll be able to do it again this time. Presumably. Mm. Presumably. I mean, so we'll probably have more connection issues this week than in future weeks because this is the first teaching week, which is also the week where students return to campus. And so what we're finding is that the network is kind of just falling all over the place as IT is trying to get the network to adjust from having no one on campus using it to everyone on campus using it at the same time. Right, well, in that case, let's talk quickly uh, and, and make use of the connectivity while we have it. Yes, let's, let's, let's emerge and be conspira- spiritual? conspiritualistic, yeah. Yeah, something like something that. Like that. Yes. Play a chime, then we'll, then we'll explain what we're talking about. No, you play a chime. Fine. Welcome to Conspiracy Theory Masterpiece Theatre. It's a masterpiece, conspiracy theory masterpiece theatre, sort of, again. Um, we, we, yeah, we're, we're looking we're now, further we're, we're, we're doing, 
view of the classics from outside of philosophy. I think there are two more on the list, maybe three, and then we'll return back to our regularly scheduled program of looking at more recent work in the philosophy of conspiracy theory theory, where we have recent material which probably isn't old enough to technically be called a masterpiece, but will be part of masterpiece theatre nonetheless. Because, Josh, what is a name? What is a name? I mean, I'm asking you seriously. What is a name? You're you're a linguist. What are names? Uh, special, special class of noun, essentially. Well, that just sounds rude. Hmm. Mm, it is. No, but uh, we're not talking about names today. We're talking about conspirituality, and not for the first time, only we are sort of. Um, the paper we're going to look at today is The Emergence of Conspirituality by Charlotte Ward and Professor David Voss, which was published in the Journal of Contemporary Religion, January 2011. Now, you may recall that last year we looked at the posthumously published paper from the dearly departed Dean Ballinger, but more alliteration in that sentence than I was expecting. Uh, but he wrote uh, with, with Anne Hardy the paper Conspirituality in the Web, a case study of David Icke's media use, which was based on the paper that we're going to talk about today. Um, and we'll see where, where possibly he differs in, the, in, in some of the conclusions uh, that come up. But yes, yeah, so this is a paper in... in would you call this religious studies? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it is very much in the intersection of media studies and religious studies. And yet the focus on spirituality, particularly New Age spiritualism, I think very much puts it at the centre of a kind of religion and society perspective. So the paper itself tells us about its authors, according to the paper itself. Charlotte Ward is an independent researcher on alternative spirituality. David Voss is Simon Professor of Population Studies in the Institute for Social Change at the University of Manchester. He's the now, British Josh, do you think that they called the Simon Professor after someone whose literal name was Simon Professor? Hello, my name is Professor Simon Professor. Or maybe maybe someone called a Professor Simon, like maybe Paul Simon was the professor at the University of Manchester at some point. He might have been, I don't know. You can't prove he wasn't. I mean, you won't prove he wasn't, you probably could. But uh, at any rate, David Voss is the British National Programme Director for the European Values Study and Co-Director of British Religion and Numbers, founded, founded, funded, got the right noun eventually, right vowel eventually, by the AHRC slash ESRC Religion and Society Research Programme. I don't know what those things mean, but they sound well, impressive. AHRC will be Art and Humanities Research something. ESRC might be European Society of Religious something. Probably. Probably. Yeah. So this paper despite not being a philosophy paper, starts like one with an abstract. Now, I'm certain, I went back and checked, you definitely read the abstract last time, so it's definitely my turn to read it Why this time. Why are you time. so obsessed with reading the abstracts? It's, it's all I have in life. It's the one joy I possess. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you've, you've got children and a partner and a successful job, but really the only thing that gives mm. you pleasure is reading abstracts to academic papers. It's a very unusual kink, Josh, but I'm here for it. It's what gets me up in the morning. <laughs> I, mean, I, I bet it gets you up in the morning. Mm. The abstract reads, the female-dominated new age with its positive focus on self and the male-dominated realm of conspiracy theory with its negative focus on global politics may seem antithetical. 
It's a synthesis of the two, however, that we call conspirituality. We refine, describe, and analyze this hybrid system of belief. It has been noticed before without receiving much scholarly attention. Conspirituality is a rapidly growing web movement expressing an ideology fueled by political disillusionment and the popularity of alternative worldviews. It has international celebrities, bestsellers, radio and TV stations. It offers a broad politico-spiritual philosophy based on two core convictions, the first traditional to conspiracy theory, the second rooted in the New Age. One, a secret group covertly controls or is trying to control the political and social order. And two, humanity is undergoing a paradigm shift in consciousness. Proponents believe that the best strategy for dealing with the threat of a totalitarian new world order is to act in accordance with an awakened new paradigm worldview. Mm. Shades of references to Victory of the Daleks there with the new paradigm Daleks that Stephen Moffat made up that never, ever got featured in Doctor Who heavily ever again. I think I remember the ones you mean, but I don't really care, to be perfectly honest. Fair enough, no, fair no. enough. I mean, your 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 distaste for Doctor Who, your visceral hatred for a, a British classic is noted on this podcast and is condemned by the listenership. Mm, more like antipathy, but yes. Uh, so, it's not, not, not enough not enough to start with an abstract, they then start with an introduction. I mean, I mean, what are they all thinking? these sins never end? Introducing things. Uh, so the introduction says, The growth of industry, cities, and administrative structures has led to the separation and specialisation of social institutions. Individuals themselves occupy distinct roles in the family, workplace, and community that may no longer overlap. The social and personal fragmentation has caused conventional religion to become disconnected from everyday life. Alternative ideologies are available, however, offering holistic worldviews that contest the political pragmatism, economic rationalism, scientific empiricism, and social dislocation characteristic of the modern age. Examples include the Romantic movement that began in the late 18th century and the counterculture of the 1960s. In this article, we focus on two forms of holistic thought that are increasingly prevalent in the contemporary period. And, of course, the two... Uh, forms of holistic thought they're going to be talking about are New Age and conspiracy theories, which they uh, define briefly in the introduction, but they're going to talk about them in a bit more detail later on, so we can skip ahead from that bit. Well, except we can't, because one of the definitions they use at the very beginning is David Aronovich's definition, which comes from his journalistic book looking at conspiracy theories. And I just have a bit of an issue that every so often they're not using other scholars who work in conspiracy theory theory to get their theory from. They're going to journalists writing on conspiracy theories instead. So there's a definition from Aronovich, which is problematic because his book is incredibly inconsistent in its approach to both talking about conspiracy theories and also what he thinks is a conspiracy theory and isn't a conspiracy theory. And then later on in the paper, they start citing Robin Ramsey, who's another journalist who writes on conspiracy theories. And this is not to besmirch the work of journalists, but if you're going to do a kind of rigorous analysis of a concept, it would be much better to be reaching towards the academic work. Now, admittedly, they do mention Michel Bakun 
in the very early part of the paper and then in the second part. So they are reaching towards scholars working in the area. But this reliance on journalistic definitions is, I think, a little bit distracting from the kind of work they're trying to do, especially given how ambiguous the definitions of Aronovich and Ramsey turn out to be. They don't really narrow onto a concept. They're kind of broad brush conceptualizations, which I think is a problem with this paper as well. Yes, I think sources might be an issue as we go through it. But um, for now, having having given their definitions, they say a hybrid of conspiracy theory and alternative spirituality has appeared on the internet. The existence of such a synthesis has previously been noted in passing. And here they cite Bakun and also Goodrick Clark. Uh, but no detailed account has yet been given of what, for the sake of convenience, we call conspirituality. And so they go on to say that the, these two ideologies, conspiracy theorizing and New Age, they have stuff in common, in particular, as they put it, the beliefs that A, nothing happens by accident, B, nothing is as it seems, C, everything is connected. Uh, but, but of course, they, 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 they're also quite different in some respects. Um, so as they put it, there's a wide gulf between the ordinary understandings of conspiracy theory and the holistic milieu. The former is male-dominated, often conservative, generally pessimistic, and typically concerned with current affairs. The latter is predominantly female, liberal, self-consciously optimistic, and largely focused on the self and personal relationships. Which... The, the male-dominated and female-dominated, I, mean, I guess they, 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 they will cite statistics shortly, but some of those definitions... Some of those those characterizations are not a hundred percent. Well, yeah, especially if you know anything about the rise, and I'm going to I I want to put scare quotes around a lot a lot of what I'm going to say here because you look at the rise of alternative spirituality, so the rise of Wicca and various forms of modern paganism in the middle of the twentieth century. These are not movements which are at least initially led by women. They're actually movements that are largely led by male academics who are going through a process of trying to recover pre-Christian religious or spiritual ideas. So the idea that we've got this quite clear disconnect between men engaging in conspiracy theorizing and women engaging in being spiritual, particularly New Age spiritualism, is, I think, a gross overgeneralization. I mean, I know it seems on the face of it that when you think about conspiracy theorists, most of the exemplary conspiracy theorists you think of turn out to be men like Alex Jones, David Icke, Tucker Carlson, and the like. And when you look at the modern spiritualist movement, it seems like it's a kind of even mix between your David Icke's, who's very, very spiritualist, depending on the kind of theory he's trying to promote, and members such as the cult of ISIS and the like. But I do, I do think this hard and fast distinction they're trying to run here runs the risk of overgeneralizing to the point where there are so many exceptions you can go, mm, yeah, I'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm with you by page three. Mm. So nevertheless, they've, they've pointed out some fairly large differences between these two, two fields, and, uh, but, but, but they want to say that they go together, or they can go together, and they say, we argue that conspirituality is a politico-spiritual philosophy based on two core convictions, the first traditional to conspiracy theory, the second rooted in the new age. So there's one, a secret group covertly controls or is trying to control the political and social order, 
And two, humanity is undergoing a paradigm shift in consciousness or awareness, so solutions to one lie in acting in accordance with an awakened new paradigm worldview. Now, first thing I want to note is that that also describes the Illuminati, and, you know, the original Bavarian mm. Illuminati, a secret group which is covertly trying to control the political and social order in, Ge- in Ge- Germany and producing a paradigm shift in how people should think about the world, the idea of, you know, freedom, equality, and liberty. So this kind of conspirituality, at least at this particular point, is something we can find historically. It's not new. It's not linked to the new age. It certainly isn't linked to modern technologies allowing ideas to travel across the globe. We can find historical precedents where this kind of thing has been going on. Mm. Yeah, so the, the, the characterization of what conspirituality is is still a little bit, a little bit nebulous at this stage. Uh, but so they, they, they state their intentions going forwards. They say, in what follows, we describe conspirituality and its formation, starting by examining the parent sectors and then considering their merger. We focus on the US and the UK. While our aim is primarily descriptive, to point to the existence of an important branch of contemporary spirituality that is little recognized, we offer some hypotheses concerning its origins, current appeal, and future prospects. And that's what they do. Uh, So first, there's the little section on methods where they talk about how they've gathered their data, which they start by saying, because conspirituality appears to be an internet-based movement with a relatively modest presence in quote-unquote real life, web ethnography is the method of choice. And they go on to talk about the various websites that they've looked at and, 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 and how regularly they've gone to them and so on. Now, I do recall that Dean's recent paper, argued that, at least using David Icke as a case study, he argued that conspirituality has what he called a synergistic media model and that it was not just internet-based. In particular, in the case of David Icke, he sort of, he's got his, his books and his his um, tours, his speaking appearances, as well as his internet presence, and, the, and they all With David Icke dot connector. Mm, they, all, they, all, they all work together. Uh, but nevertheless, internet, the internet is what they're focusing on on this particular paper. And as they say, they first have a sec- two, or two sections talking about New Age spirituality and conspiracy theory, and then go on to talk about them coming together into conspirituality. Yeah, and they, they, they state here that how one defines the New Age is not important for present purposes. And then they say, but we'll adopt a, a summary by Barcoon of Melton's characterization of the New Age. I kind of feel that's... That's a really interesting because it turns out what the New Age is is very important for their notion of conspirituality because as it stands, their discussion of conspirituality is conspiracism in the pejorative sense linked with a notion of spirituality. But the way they're defining it, it's spirituality only of a modern or New Age form. So they're not going to be linking conspiracism with, say, generic religious belief, which I kind of find fascinating because there's a lot to be said about the dovetailing of religious belief and conspiracy theory belief, both in a pejorative and non-pejorative sense. So the fact that they go, oh, it doesn't really matter what the definition of New Age is, 
I think it really does matter. I think it matters an mm. awful lot. Yes, so the, the the definition that they give here, which is Barkun quoting Melton, is that the New Age includes the following elements, mystical individual transformation, an awareness of new non-material realities, the imposition of a personal vision onto society, and belief in universally invisible but pervasive forms of energy. And I want to know, how is that different from normal religious belief? How is that the New Age belief? Well, yes, I mean, they, they talk about sort of the more examples, and it's uh, what what the cynical might call hippie stuff. Um, they, they talk about people being light workers, star seeds, indigo children. Is that still a thing? No. Is, is, is indigo children still around? No. Uh, that I mean, sort the, of stuff. The last, the, I think the last time we heard, heard about indigo children were indigo girls. Mm. Yes. Uh, and so again, they make the claim that the new age remains largely feminine, uh, but they sort of they illustrate this by basically saying or making the claim that some, the, the 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 larger voices, the most prominent figures in the new age movement, are women. They quote in particular uh, Diana Cooper, uh, a prominent new age figure, and and point about how the fact that she's she's all about pos- positivity and somewhat opposed to conspiracy theory, they quote her saying, be careful what you read on the internet. If it's spreading doubt and fear, move on to a site of love and light. So they're trying to, again, set up this idea that there are, their characterization of the New Age does seem to be opposed to conspiracy theorizing in some way. Uh, there's a little subsection here called the New Age Belief in a Shift in Consciousness, which, again, they're emphasizing the idea that there's a growing belief in New Age ideologies, that there's a this this paradigm shift, a shift in human consciousness, is happening, which does does sound familiar from some of the Ike stuff, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, it's also a fairly common feature in a lot of world religions as well. Once again, because they're alighting the discussion of exactly what the New Age is and just being very vague about what counts as the New Age... A lot of what they say about New Age spirituality or mysticism seems to also be something you can apply to the Old Age spiritualities or religions as well. And I remember having a discussion once with David Robertson, who also does work in this area, and he was kind of chastising philosophers for being too obsessed with defining terms and not just getting on with the work. But I do think one of the reasons why we want to define terms is to be able to go, well, look, when we talk about the new age, we're talking very specifically about a set of spiritual practices which have certain features And the problem with this article is that it's trying to be all things to all people, and it's relying on the, well, you know what the new age is. As you say, it's that kind of hippie stuff. And I'm not entirely sure it's that easy to distinguish new age thought from old age thought, especially given one of the things which is really interesting about new age spirituality is how the old religions coped with it. So there was New Age spiritualism within Roman Catholicism, where people were taking ideas from the New Age and then reapplying it back to that old religion. And so these distinctions are not as as not as hard and fast. Well, no, sorry. If you want to be using these terms, you either want something which is hard and fast or you want to admit that they are fuzzy along the edges. Well, let's see, let's see if they do any better with conspiracy theory then. 
in, in the next section on conspiracy theory, they say, the term conspiracy theorist tends to be used pejoratively. Since the advent of the World Wide Web, however, the realm of conspiracy theory has gained shape, prominence, and even respectability. Unlike the spiritual milieu, this remains a largely male enclave of political and scientific foci. Few good quantitative studies have been concluded, but American conspiracy theorists seem to be primarily a white phenomenon and primarily a white male phenomenon. And they're, they're, they're quoting Ramsey, who, as you say, not actually a scholar, more of a journalist. Yeah, and things I don't necessarily disagree with his, this claim that American conspiracy theorists seem to be primarily a white phenomenon and primarily a white male phenomenon. I just think you'd be better off citing an actual researcher rather than a journalist. Yes, yeah, so mentioning their, their own um, research, they say that of the 40 or so notable theorists who are listed on TinWiki, only one of them was female. I had never heard of TinWiki before today. I've heard of Rational I Wiki. think I may have heard about it at some point, but I had to go double-check exactly what it is. According to the wiki of wikis, or wiki, TinWiki is a wiki that contains articles on pseudoscientific topics. I feel I should add the word wiki in just one more time. Yes. Also, wiki-wa-woo. Mm. Yes, so um, they, they compare th conspiracy theorizing with political activism, though, and, and they note that while, again, politics, or, or sort of, I, I think they're going for sort of political punditry or political, I don't know, noise-making, is, is a male dominated activity. They, they note that activism should not be confused with ideology or casual participation, however. Just as voter turnout is similar among men and women, belief in conspiracy theories divides evenly between the sexes. So while they're saying, so I think, yeah, they seem to be saying that the, the leading, leading figures in conspiracy theorizing tend to be men, but belief in conspiracy theories is not divided by the sexes. And now, uh, now the interesting stuff, now we get a bit of taxonomy. And what a taxonomy oh, this turns out to be. They say an examination of the history of conspiracy theories suggests that in recent decades it has contained four main sectors, all of which overlap and continue to develop. And so the four sectors they divide conspiracy theories into are, number one is speculation about specific episodes, what Barkun calls event conspiracy. So here they're talking about specific things, the death of Princess Di, the assassination of JFK, 9-11, particular events that conspiracy theories uh, want to explain. Uh, sector number two is bio and geo conspiracies, which is anything to do with the natural world, I guess. So conspiracy theories around diseases, but also around sort of the suppression of free energy, uh, fluoridation and water conspiracy theories, genetic engineering, weather manipulation, that sort of stuff. Uh, now, sector three. Sector three is X-Files type conspiracy theory, which I think... They seem to just sort of mean anything that's kind of science fiction-y. So in particular, in particular, aliens, extraterrestrials, and 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 suppressed alien yeah, so technology. Why why isn't free energy and weather control in there? And I mean, given if we're doing X Files type conspiracy theories, and we take it that Millennium as a spin-off of the X Files is also part of the X Files universe, especially since the concluding episode of Millennium was an X Files episode after Millennium ended and season two of millennium is about a government organization releasing a disease upon the world to engage in population control 
why aren't diseases also in the X-Files type conspiracy theory area? I find this distinction between categories, or sorry, sectors two and three to be not particularly well motivated. Mm. Yes, yes, you may have something there. Finally, uh, sector four is the radical right's belief in a shadow government or new world order. And so here again, they're, they're referring back to Bakun with his idea of systemic or super conspiracies. Uh, and so that, their characterization of your new world order, one world government, I guess your Illuminati's want to have you in here, their characterization is that they come from the Christian right, but spread to other areas. They don't they don't specifically mention anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, which would seem to be one of the major sort of you know shadowy figures controlling the world type conspiracy theories. But I guess they would they would come in this sector. Do you have a feeling that these types of conspiracy theories were at least originally coming from the political right? I mean, there are new world order conspiracy theories on the left as well. So often the right-wing New World Order conspiracy theories are about a secret global government, and the left-wing versions of the New World Order conspiracy theories are about the idea that private corporations are controlling the government from behind the scenes. So both left and right will go, look, there are these malicious forces operating in, in the background, making our democracies look as if they're free when actually they're not. The right are concerned that actually everything's been controlled by the UN, and the left are concerned that actually it's private corporations which are doing the real control behind the background. So whilst I know there's a lot of scholars who will say that these conspiracy theories are more traditionally right-wing than they are left-wing, and I think there might be some evidence that they were predominantly believed by right-wingers more so than left-wingers, we actually do find historical examples of left-wing versions of these particular types of theories as well. But it is this last lot that they seem most interested in. In particular, I think they're, they're wanting to characterise them as coming from the right, and particularly the Christian right, because that lets them say how that traditionally people who believe these sorts of conspiracy theories tend to be quite opposed to New Age stuff, which is seen as being sort of, you know, a bit, a bit occult, a bit, a bit satanic, and so therefore uh, not, not flavour of the month um, among the Christian right. But yes, as far as taxonomies go, it's, uh, it's a little murky. Yes. Yes, it's a very weird taxonomy, but I do feel a systemic problem in this paper is they're trying to unify a lot of very disparate processes under one name. And given that they also try to avoid giving some hard and fast definitions to allow us to get to that point, I think there's just a lot of confusion as to what the topic of the paper ends up being. Well, let's see if things become clearer in the next section, which is the emergence of conspirituality. Hey, that's the, that's the name of the paper. This it section is. must be important. Mm. Well, let's see. It says, despite the shared views mentioned above that nothing happens by accident, nothing is as it seems and everything is connected, the new age and conspiracy theories seem to have little in common. It is therefore a surprise to discover that hybrid worldviews have developed and seem to be thriving. British author and activist David Icke anticipated conspirituality in 1996. Did he now? Apparently. 
Uh, they say conspirituality appears to be a means by which political cynicism is tempered with spiritual optimism. It curbs the belligerence of conspiracy theory and the self-absorption of the new age. And it goes on to give examples of, of sort of both conspiratorial new age thinking and new agey style conspiracism. Uh, in particular, they, they here they talk about Zeitgeist, the, the movie and the movement, which I know we have mentioned, but... Um, well, I mean, yeah, we deal. talked we talked about the three part Zeitgeist film. Yeah. I think in a very early episode Quite a while ago. of the podcast. And what's fascinating about Zeitgeist was it's a kind of pre loose change internet documentary. I'm now going. Actually, is it pre loose change or is it just after loose change? But it's one of the early yeah. conspiracy theory documents that documents documentaries that were very successful online it's about the international banking system it also goes into christianity and mithridism there's it's a it's a very eclectic eclectic documentary and for a period of time it was kind of oh you study conspiracy theories have you watched zeitgeist and now now I don't think anybody talks about it. And this is kind of a problem for a paper from 2011. There's a whole bunch of touchstones which people knew about 12 years ago, which of course actually have been supplanted by a whole bunch of new stuff. Now that's not the that's not to the author's detriment here. It's just unfortunately yes, some of the examples. Yeah. They're writing about contemporary examples at the time. It just turns out the landscape has changed so radically. And this is one of those areas where you just can't guarantee that new readers are going to know about the conspiracy theories that were so popular 10 years ago because everyone's obsessed with the conspiracy theories that are popular two or three years ago. I watched the first section of Zeitgeist and it was linked to by uh, a comedian on, on Twitter or somewhere, and uh, which so I assumed it was a joke. And when it started off making these ridiculously ahistorical claims about stuff, I assumed this was the joke and it was going to be some sort of a, a look around you style faux documentary. Then it kept going, and I'm like, oh, no, they seem to actually mean this. And yeah, um, so last night I was having a drink with my friend Yegor, who lives literally one floor up in this apartment building. He said, have you watched Ancient Apocalypse, which is the Graham Hancock Netflix series? And I said, no, I don't need to watch any Graham Hancock because I've I've read one of his books and he just repeats himself ad nauseum. But nonetheless, Yegor put it on and we watched a little bit of it. And the quality of argumentation that Graham Hancock engages in to prove the existence of an ancient super-civilization, which we apparently have this ancestral memory for, is really, really quite surprising. It is very surprising that someone at Netflix at some point didn't go to Graham and go, you do realize that makes absolutely no argumentative sense whatsoever. No, but anyway. It's, it's a whole bunch of but... If they're wrong, and my assumption is true, then we can rewrite all, I don't know why I'm doing that accent, we can rewrite all of human history. And Zeitgeist does the same thing. But if we make this new assumption, then we can recast everything we've learned down a different avenue. And that's why unicorns are real. 
Mm, yes, that's pretty much the tenor of it. But anyway, returning to the paper, they say uh, regarding the history of conspirituality that conspirituality appeared on the web in the mid-1990s. It had offline precursors, some members of the 1960s and 1970s counterculture, the New Age and other movements undoubtedly shared its two core convictions. In 1987, the print-based Nexus magazine started publishing articles on conspirituality and conspiracist topics. Uh, my uncle used to get Nexus magazine. Mm. I don't know that I've ever read it. The only thing, only thing I remember reading in it was a guide to engage in oh, what's that? What's that? The form of dr- dreaming where you think you're lucid dreaming. A guide to to get yourself to lucid dream. But yes, it was a it was a famous magazine for looking at sometimes slightly out there topics. My uncle was interested in it because they often had quite a lot of articles on the space race, including discussions of technologies that might come into existence in the next decade or so. So and it was it was both a magazine looking at future tech, but also did engage in a bit of the old pseudoscientific speculation at the same time. Mm. So going through the history of, of conspirituality, they they divide it into two generations. Uh, they reckon there's conspirituality pre-2001 and then post-2001. I wonder what event that occurred in 2001 could have caused... Isn't a... that when we found the monolith on the moon and then we ah. moved to Jupiter and what's-his-name, Bowman, the star child, was first born? Pretty sure that's the most notable event of 2001. That does sound right. Well, let's read on and we'll find out. So they say, uh, talking about the first generation before 2001, conspirituality's formation divides into two stages or generations. First generation providers started work offline in the early to mid-1990s and then moved online to develop websites in parallel with offline activity. Successful first generation providers include David Icke, David Wilcock and Stephen Greer. I like the successful first generation providers as if you're talking about telecommunications. Oh, yes, companies. Or something. Yeah. 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 So they, they go over those three. They, they note uh, David Icke's focus on uh, where he, he likes to talk about coming together to, to raise consciousness to awaken love, which does sound very, very new agey. Uh, so then, then uh, David Wilcock, which is, is that who you were talking about a second ago? Is it the same? No, no, no. Uh, That was Graham Hancock. Oh, Hancock. Right. Okay. Yeah. Different different cock entirely. Uh, So, yes, David Wilcock uh, is someone who writes about how there's going to be, or at least in 2011, was writing about how there's going to be a coming spiritual awakening that would would shake the shadow government's grip on people. So, again, someone who sort of believes in conspiratorial type things about the nature of the world and yet says there's going to be this awakening of consciousness that'll that'll allow us to do something about it but is is this the first time we've heard from wilcock yeah i don't think he's been mentioned on the podcast before i mean i know his name from discussions in the 14 times but once again he was someone who was more prominent 10 years ago than he is today in the same way that the next person they mentioned stephen greer who's a ufologist who believes in a shadow world government uh He's also someone who was very popular 10 years ago and occasionally pops up in discussions but just doesn't have the prominence that he used to have. 
Yeah, he sounds a bit like a who, who was Communion? Was that Whitley Strieber? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. He's so, so he's sort of as played by Christopher Walken in the movie. Mm. Um, but but Greer though, yeah, he 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 has this conspiracy stuff. There's a shadow government. They're they're hiding the truth about aliens, but thinks that the answer to it is going to be some sort of a spiritual awakening as well. In that communite sense of of yes, the aliens are going to come and they're going to going to lift our consciousness and turn us all into star children or something. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those people who believes that the aliens are good and the government is evil for covering up first contact. But then, of course, 9-11 happened. So as they talk about it, the events of 11 September 2001 were pivotal, pivotal to the uptake of conspirituality. Many people who had never held conspiracist beliefs rationalised the tragedy as an inside job designed to propagate war. Uh, Josh, which, which tragedy is this they're ta- talking about from... September 2001? This would be the, the uh, attacks on the World Trade Center. The what? Uh, yeah, no, did you? I'm sure, I'm sure it was all over the place at the time. It might, you, I, I imagine that the whole monolith on the moon thing is possibly. Actually, hold on. So, 2001, of... September, oh, no, I see. I, I know what happened. Mm. So, our, our friend Nick, his birthday is September is it, the 11th. Yes. And I was probably really hungover on September 12th NZ Standard Time which would be the 11th of September in the US. So I, I think I might have missed this. This is... Oh, well, well, read on. It's, it's quite interesting. They say that yeah. um, in 2003, one-third of Germans under 30 believed that the US government was behind 9-11, and at least one opinion poll in 2006 suggested that more than a third of Americans believed the same. By 2007, Texas Congressman Ron Paul and film director Aaron Russo were publicizing the New World Order. In 2008, Japanese MP Yukihisa Fujita lobbied the Diet on this matter, and in 2009, actor Charlie Sheen called upon Obama to reopen the 9-11 investigation. Investigations. At least they didn't say what was the what was the phrase that you always is no, no oh, lesser person. A, 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 no, a person with the gravitas of a Charlie Sheen. The gravitas, yes. No, they didn't go that far. I mean, now the thing was, now the thing was, when when someone wrote with the gravitas of a Charlie Sheen, that was well before the two and a half men debacle. But even before the two mm. and a half men debacle, Charlie Sheen did not have. Gravitas. No, Martin died from hotshots too. Possibly mm. had gravitas, but Charlie Sheen, probably one of the least gravitasy people I can possibly think of. Quite possibly. So yes, I mean, nine eleven is very definitely a conspiracy theory thing, and doesn't really have anything new agey about it. Yeah, I mean, I think what they're trying to do here is go well, look post two thousand and one. There are a lot more conspiracy theories out there. Mm. Now, actually, this is arguable because, as the polling seems to indicate, if we take, say, the work of Joe Sinsky seriously, then actually it doesn't look like there were more conspiracy theories post 9 11. Maybe the kind of conspiracy theories that were being believed prominently changed, but it's not entirely clear there was a massive uptake of conspiracy theory belief at that time. But they seem to want to be linking the look. After 2001, there are lots of these conspiracy theories out there, and also at a time of a lot of variant spiritual beliefs. Ipso facto, there must be some relationship here to explain why these spiritual beliefs propagated, so we're going to go 9-11 as kind of the motivating event here. And 
I don't know why they're just not talking if they want to talk about a conspiracy mindset. Just talk about a conspiracy mindset and say some of these mindsets have spiritual characteristics, as we saw with conspiracy mindsets in the past when they were attached to religious practices or religious beliefs. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they want to say, if they want to talk about conspiritualism, which is conspiracy plus spiritualism, then if, as they say, there was an uptick in conspiracizing, then that would naturally lead to an uptick in conspiracy, uh, conspiritualism. But yeah, I don't know. So at any rate, they, they go on to talk about what they identify as the second generation, which they see as coming from 2002 onwards. They say, we identify 2002 as the year second generation conspirituality started. This was not just because the events of 9-11 and increasing political disillusionment were generating extra demand. By 2002, the web and access to it and its subcultures were sufficiently developed to accommodate conspirituality's expansion. Website building had been simplified and the blogosphere, the network of blogs on the internet, was growing. Does the blogosphere oh. exist anymore? I mean, it does. There are still, still lots and lots of blog sites out there. I just don't think many people read them. Mm. We used to have a blog. Yeah, we, we, yeah I've, I've had multiple blogs in my time. I've, I had a blog before they were called blogs, back when they were just web journals or whatever. Anyway. So, sorry, when they were called web, web, web jobs. Web jobs, yes. yep, that's you exactly what they were called. Have a, a nice set of web jobs. Yep. Uh, so they give examples of second-generation conspiritualists. They talk about John Perkins who, quote, exposes the shadowy U.S. elite corporatocracy for which he once worked to destabilize smaller countries economically. He suggests that corporate networks could be transformed to positive purposes, stressing that many shadow government employees are human with children and grandchildren and, despite the financial rewards, desperate for the excuses protesters offer to do the right thing. So, I mean, I guess, yes, that does fit their, their model of believing in these things, but also believing in a, in a, in a, peaceful, a peaceful, hippie-ish way out of it. They also talk about Project Camelot, which they describe as a platform for shadow government whistleblowers. But what's, what's become of Project Camelot these yeah, days? Still, it's actually still going to this day. Uh, it's not, so if you want to know more about Project Camelot, the podcast Knowledge Fight covers it occasionally. The interesting thing about, about Project Camelot is the major source of information for Project Camelot, which is information about the interdimensional aliens who control the world, comes from a convicted murderer, Mark Richards. So the main host, doesn't often get to talk with her source because he's in prison. And these days also, she seems to have been pranked by someone who's a listener to Knowledge Fight who goes onto her show and talks about the Squatch. Is that the Sasquatch? It is, because Sasquatches are an alien species. A highly intelligent, are. peaceful alien species. Obviously. And they have they have ambassadors on Earth, but these ambassadors are often tried to be killed by ne'er-do-wells, and sometimes the Squatch has to go off-planet. Mm. Have you, incidentally, uh, are, are you aware of the new podcast series Big Feats? 
No, I am not. It's a spin-off of the the, the Dog Zone 9000 from the 1900 Hot Dog comedy website, but it's basically it's going to be 9 or 12 parts or something and it's just the hosts of the podcast uh watching every episode of the first season of um I can't remember what Harry it's called the now. No, the, the, it's a show on HBO Max about hillbillies chasing Sasquatches. Oh, or okay. Various, it's very silly. Anyway, not, not actually relevant to what we're talking about now, which is the next section of this paper, which is the key themes. So they talk about a bunch of common themes uh, in, in conspirituality. Uh, they, they include change or transformation, uh, and that's both within yourself and within the world. And in, in, in many cases, it's sort of the one leads to the other. You need to, to, to have to change yourself, to awaken to the truth. And then having done that, you can then go out and change the world for the better. Apparently, conspiritualists, they tend to uh, go for nonviolent action over, um, over sort of violent protesting, whatever. I'm not sure, I guess. I suppose you know, D- David Icke isn't actually throwing Molotovs through vaccination centres yet. They talk about unification, again, the idea that we, we all we all need to come together either as part of this raising of consciousness or, or, or the, the coming together is what will cause that. Uh, they, talk, they, they have themes of revelation. Again, the truth is going to be revealed to us as it was revealed to David Icke in South America that time when he, and then he came back and put on a tracksuit and went on television. You know that how, I think you'll find it was a shell it. suit. Well, similar, similar. Uh, again, they mentioned people who were into this sort of thing. Uh, apparently, the, the guy from Muse, what's his name? Bellamy from Muse is into David Icke. I didn't know that. But they quote some of his lyrics, which are apparently apparently Ikean. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised. Mm. I'm not surprised. I mean, once again... These common themes, these all seem to be things which also exist in the old religions. So change of transformation, most organized religions usually end up kind of arguing for a kind of pacifism to affect change because often they end up being part of the establishment. They want to unify believers. They've got revelation as a key feature of how you come to knowledge about what the divine wants you to do. None of these things seem to be particularly new agey. Yeah, I don't know. It's things that they certainly think that, that the various conspiritualists have in common, but I guess that doesn't mean they don't appear anywhere else. But yeah, it's all... Uh, I think we, we're a decent way through the paper now, and things are still feeling feeling a little ill-defined. And it uh, doesn't, doesn't get a lot clearer when you get into the next se- uh, section, cons- criticisms of conspirituality. Which I suspect is a section in the paper that was put in as a reply to a reviewer because I don't think they actually deal with any criticisms. I think they use two examples a reviewer put forward and then they they write about them as a, oh, this is a sop to reviewer B who's only going to accept the paper if we put in these two points. Yeah, it's very short and it's... And does it really actually have any doesn't criticism? Criticize, yeah. They, they yeah. talk about the fact that people, including Bakun, have this worry that the far rights, the, 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 the sort of merging of, of disparate elements could result in the far rights conspiracies sort of infecting the left as they all come together. And I don't know, I mean, there, is, there has been that phenomenon observed in, in sort of the wellness influencer types shifting over time to 
to to becoming kind of kind of fascisty. I'm not sure how it worked. It was sort of you know wellness and health kind of leads to concepts of purity to ideological purity to I don't know. So possibly there is a little bit of a a little bit of a phenomenon there, but I don't know that it's a trend or anything. Then they 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 do the, they do though suggest that the um the, the the racism that they say is more prominent on the right would be rejected by new age types. They they interestingly go on to quote David Icke basically speaking against anti-Semitism, sort of a bit. He the, the the quote they give from Ike is we need to drop the ludicrous childish labels of Jew and Gentile and Muslim and all this illusory crap and come together in the name of peace and justice for all. There's not a Jewish injustice or a Palestinian injustice. There is simply injustice, which sounds a little bit like saying I don't see race, but um, yeah, which is often taken to be well, a a very racist thing to say. Mm. And also, he will say this with a really large montage in the background projected on a screen, which has anti-Semitic tropes in it. So, Mm. I mean, he may speak the words, but he doesn't seem to behave in a way which indicates he believes those words. Yeah. So the next section is Conspirituality's Appeal, where they want to say what what it is that, that causes people to subscribe to it. They say conspirituality obviously appeals to clients who already believe in or suspect the existence of a shadow government and a shift. But then they go on to say it could also appeal to what they call cultural creatives, which seems to be anyone a bit sort of lefty. I don't know. They, they say it's mo- social movements like environmentalism and feminism and civil rights and peace. They also chuck in complementary and alternative medicine in there. So we, well, once again, casting quite a wide net uh, with their definitions. Yeah, and once again, I mean, we're looking at social movements which are trying to promote transformative change. So if you're an environmentalist, you want to change the world to ensure that an environmental collapse isn't going to occur. If you're a feminist, you want equality for all genders. If you're a civil rights activist, you're arguing against systemic prejudice against particular parts of the population. If you're a peace activist, you're arguing against the notion of war don't think it's quite fair to put complementary and alternative medicine into that particular rubric there. But these are all movements looking for transformative change. But because they've been so vague as to what the transformative change is when it comes to New Age spirituality, it's not clear that these groups that are arguing for transformative change are arguing for it in the same way that a new ager might be arguing for it. A new ager will want transformative change through a kind of spiritual awakening. A feminist may be going, no, we just want policy changes. We want policy changes that put in place equality in such a way that it gets rid of the systemic bias towards women in our society. They're not, they're not going to be, we, you know, a spiritual change would be great, but actually what would be really, really good at this time would be legislative change. Actual tangible don't change. Have to put up with this stuff anymore. Uh, so, but they, nevertheless, they go on to talk about some of its appeal as in, again, using that term, the providers, providers of conspirituality. Uh, they say providers have credentials and appear credible to many, despite promoting beliefs that often seem bizarre to non-subscribers. They are trustworthy accomplices, having succeeded in acceptable, quote-unquote, real-world careers. David Icke was a professional footballer, BBC sports commentator, and Green Party politician, while Bill Ryan of Project Camelot was a management consultant and is 
counterpart Kerry Cassidy a filmmaker. Stephen Greer worked as the director of the A&E department of a North Carolina hospital. Jacques Fresco, inventor of Zeitgeist, the movie and movement, is an architect. John Perkins was a government official. I'm not sure what the fact that they all had day jobs means, but I guess it means they're, I guess they're saying well, they're, they're not obviously Jeff, crazy Acceptable real-world careers, and I put real-world in mm. quotes there. Yeah, this seems like a very a weird thing to say, well, look, X has a weird belief, but look, they're perfectly normal in every other respect. Yeah, they, they also, and then they say another um, another appeal is that it's quite flexible. It's, it doesn't it doesn't require things of its believers in many cases. They're not made to, to go along with anything. And in fact, more, more than being told what to think, there's a lot of encouraging people to do their own research, which, as we know, always works out really well and uh, is, is completely fine. They move on to 9-11 again. Uh, saying, the events of 9-11 exposed many to conspirituality, as rumours that it was an inside job undertaken to start a war on terror spread via the web and continue to spread. Some will have found providers, such as Ike, who received publicity for his predictions that the shadow government would undertake a false flag operation around 2001 to provoke a war with Islam. Did he do that? Oh, is, is it like how he was uh, supposedly going on about Jimmy Savile? I can't recall, actually. Mm. I mean, it might, yeah, it might be one of those post-facto things. Look, look, I told you about this at the time. But nevertheless, uh, so such as like, more appealing than conventional political commentators or the radical right. Surfers would have shopped around. I assume they mean web surfers, not not actual surfers, but actual surfers. Although, I mean, surfers should shop, shop around. around. They should, they should yeah. always be yeah. making sure they get the best deal for their money. Those boards are expensive, mm. and that wax is surprisingly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing, those who encountered conspirituality but had not previously held New Age beliefs in a shift might have focused instead on providers' political interpretations or transposed ideas of a shift into concerns about earth changes or waking up to what was going on. They might also have been attracted at a time of crisis by the optimism intrinsic to core conviction too, that is, concerning a mass shift in consciousness. And so towards the end of this, they're basically saying that conspiracy theorising is becoming more commonplace, which, again, debatable, is getting aired in the mainstream media, which, I, I, I don't know, could you make an argument that at least conspiracy theories are popping up in mainstream media less as an object of fun? I mean, I mean, they, they actually explicitly refer to Fox News in this case as as, as um, supporting all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and I mean, and they're writing in two thousand and eleven. They're mm-hmm. not they're, they're not even aware of where Fox News is going to go by twenty twenty three. There is an interesting discussion in media studies about the prevalence of conspiracy theories in the media versus arguably how prevalent they are in society. And I think it is the case that media organisations are talking about conspiracy theories more in the same respect that whenever crime goes down, the media reports more on crimes that occur, because as crime becomes less common, crimes become more notable, and notable things are newsworthy, thus leading people to believe there's a crime wave when actually all the media is doing is reporting on notable events which is why we didn't really talk about spousal abuse in the middle of the 20th century because it was really, really common. Mm, mm, cheery, cheery thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, they say, um, thus with interest in conspiracist topics, web news and spirituality growing, the future looks bright for conspirituality, which then leads them into the final section. What it is. 
Mm, mm. Leads them into their final section, which is just a discussion. They say the formation of conspirituality offers much of theoretical interest. We suggest some perspectives for further investigation. And, uh, and then they do that. They basically bring up a few things that could um, talk about that, that could be studied if you're looking into this sort of area. And um, that's kind of it. Uh, there isn't there isn't a conclusion of any sort, really. There's just a list of interesting things where we could take it from here. So again, I guess it isn't a philosophical paper. So I guess maybe we don't we don't need to require that of them. But it just kind of it just kind of goes and then stops. Yeah, yeah. It kind of just mm. tra- it 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 trails off. It does a little. So I mean, I guess it's interesting. It it feels like there is a phenomenon there, but Maybe like like you say, they're trying to bring pull too much stuff in and be too many things to too many people, and as a result, it, it just ends up becoming a bit too muddy to actually to, to be able to point to any one thing that they're actually talking about. So yeah, it feels like there's something there, just still not at the end of reading that paper, a hundred percent sure what it is. Yeah, as I say, they're they're trying to find an umbrella term for a set of phenomena which actually may not be that tightly related. And I think it would be better for them to admit the reason why we're, rather than going, for present purposes, we don't need to define X. They should go, well, look, we can't define X because X is just an umbrella term for a set of disparate processes. We now want to have an umbrella term that refers to a whole bunch of things captured by those other umbrella terms. Of course, things are going to be flexible as to whether they fit or don't fit this particular taxonomy, but there is some interesting phenomena here we think we can pick out by doing this kind of process. So I think the fact that they avoid talking about definitions as if it's a virtue rather than admitting that look we can't really define this as a hard and fast thing is a bit of a detriment for then working out well how do we use the analysis in this paper so yeah i mean i guess an interesting one to have read but um i can see why i can see why you saved it for a bit later than some of the other ones yeah but yeah That is the end of this episode. We, of course, are going to go on to record a bonus episode for our beloved patrons where we'll we'll talk about a bit of of current events. And uh, if you want to know what those current events are, then tune into the bonus episode, for which, of course, you'll need to be a patron. And if you're not and want to become one, just go to patreon.com and look for the podcast as a guide to the conspiracy. It's, it's, It's literally that easy. It is. It's so easy that even a child could do it. Your child is doing it right now. Your child has done it. Mm. You should actually go check as to why your child has your credit card. Mm. Is your child meant to be buying knives on the internet? I'd be disappointed if they weren't, quite frankly. Also, if you don't have a child, surprise, someone's just bought one for you on Amazon. Mm. Exactly. And who who bought that child? Another child. Another child, child, yes. It's children children all the way down. down. Not quite sure what that means, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bail before we have to find out. So, as the sun rises on a new a new era for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy, which is quite similar to the era just before the previous era, and the, the era just guide before the, the previous mm. previous era as well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this the, the connection hasn't died while we've been doing this. So so hopefully things will continue in that vein. Let's end this now and then and then record the bonus one quickly and then hope that the connection stays as good for that. Indeed. Mm. So there's nothing left to say now, but uh, goodbye. 
Anal beads. Spoilers. Spoilers. The podcaster's guide to the conspiracy stars Josh Addison and myself, Associate Professor M.R.X. Denton. Our show's cons- Sorry. Producers are Tom and Philip, plus another mysterious anonymous donor. You can contact Josh and myself at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com, and please do consider joining our Patreon. And remember, keep watching the skis.